Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Hey everybody, my name is Justin. I think Justin's a great name too, but y'all don't need to clap for it. Um, man, it's so good to be with you. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and I just want to, again, Bradley mentioned it, but I just want to take a second and say, like, serve day was incredible a couple weeks ago. Uh, my kids were out there. They're stuffing stuff in bags and making detergent. And we're going around and seeing people cut down stuff and, like, the stuff we're supposed to cut down and, like, move stuff. And, and this, is, this is what we said even on that Saturday is, like, we're not the heroes here. Uh, really, it's the organizations we're partnering with that are the heroes. Y'all give it up for those organizations, our community. Now, like week in and week out, they're doing incredible work. And that's why our whole process here with, with one of the ways we love our community is we want to find great organizations and a resource and help them do their work. Uh, so thanks for making that possible. Uh, today we're starting a series called Mastermind. And we're going to spend a few weeks talking about our thoughts because um, it's one of the most powerful things we have, right? Like, who talks to you more than you, right? What you think is really going to impact so much of your life. Um, but all of us, we have thoughts, we have things, ideas that get stuck on our head that, like, we can't seem to shake, right? And you don't even know why it's there. Like, for me, I know this is really weird. This is just, this is just me. Uh, if I'm on the phone with somebody, it does not matter who they are, uh, I start to get this thought that I'm going to say I love you at the end of the phone call. <laughs> and I'm like... I mean, it's a, a work person, it's a, you know, a family, I can say I love you to most of my family, right? But like, uh, like it could be a, a work call, it could be a delivery driver. I mean, like, I, as we're getting closer on the phone call, I'm like, okay, we're wrapping this up. I might say I love you to this person. And I can't, I can't shake the thought. But, but actually, I was talking with someone uh, after the first service, and they said, that's actually not that weird. I work um, uh, uh, with an insurance company of clients. People tell me I love you all the time. She's like, it's like, they, like, she's like, it's always, it's, it's weird. It's always men. They're like, okay, thank you. I love you. And she's like, I love you too? <laughs> like, I don't, okay. Like, uh, but again, that, that, maybe that's just a thought I have. Maybe you're not like that. But, but I think even for us, like, again, think about times you get a thought stuck in your head. It could be something big. It could be something small. It doesn't even have to be like a, an ugly thought or anything. But like, like for example, if you are uh, asleep in the middle of the night and you get woken up and you think someone's in your house. This happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, my wife, Rachel, wakes me up in the middle of the night. It's like 3 a.m. She goes, okay, I think I just heard footsteps. Or like a tapping on the window, something. And uh, which footsteps in the middle of the night is not that crazy because we got, you know, like 1,500 kids in our house. So like they're always getting up in the night. And my favorite is our six-year-old will tickle me on my forehead to wake me up. Um, just not the best. Like, you're not always getting, like dad's not happy when you wake me up like that at 3 a.m. Uh, but like, so footsteps not a big deal. But she's like, I think someone's in our house. So what do I do? I do the responsibility. I get up, and I'm, like, walking. I'm just grabbing whatever, right? Because you're, like, I got, like, a, a throw pillow. I'm walking through the house, <laughs> checking all the doors. Okay, they're all locked. Peeking out the windows. Nobody's out there. Always, always checking in the bathroom, in the tub behind the sh- curtain, because that's where they would hide. Like, that's where I would hide. Um, so always check there. Like, then you go, right? And, and we've all been in this situation, right? Then you go, and you lay down, and immediately you stop thinking about it. You go right to sleep, right? 
Like, no. Like, it's, it's the next 20, 30, 40. For some, it's like the night's done. Like, I thought someone's in my house. I'm just going to be up all night now. I start to make some coffee. Like, but you keep thinking about it, even though you're like, stop thinking about that thing. No one's here. Like, intellectually, I know nobody's in my house that's not supposed to be here. But you're like replaying in your head, like, well, what if they tried that? Or I would throw this at them, and I'd chop them, and I would do, like, like you're thinking through all the scenarios, right? And in that moment, even though you're, you're thinking about it, you don't want to think about it, sometimes, like, you even feel powerless over the thoughts you have, Right? Like in situations like that, but also other bigger situations, other thoughts you have about yourself, about people around you, and I just wish I didn't think that. I really, like, uh, it's, it's just hard, and I think part of the issue is that we, we talk about our thinking like we have no control over it, like it's completely outside of us, like we, and we say things like this, and you've heard this, like, like my thoughts just got away from me, right? Like they just, I just, they just got away from me, or, or I was just lost in my thoughts, or they got carried away by their thoughts. Like it's this thing outside of you that you got in and got carried away by. Right? And if we tried this with anything else, like with our body, like it doesn't work, right? Like if, you're, if your high schooler came home after fighting and said, well, dad, my fist just got away from me. <laughs> it's not going to work. If you kiss somebody you're not married to, you my lips, I just got carried away by my lips. Like it's not, people aren't just like, oh, that's totally fine. Don't worry about it. No, see, our thoughts are so powerful, but for many of us, we feel powerless to change them. And the reason that that's a problem is because your life is moving in the direction of your greatest thoughts. Like, what you think about will eventually happen in your life. And this is not just like a, a religious idea or a Christian idea or a Bible idea. This is, this is like just an idea in general. Again, and, and if you're here and, and you're investigating faith, you're, you're trying to figure things out, like we're, we are so glad you're here. We actually designed this place for you because we believe everyone should have a safe place to explore faith. And we're going to work really, really hard to make every kind of person imaginable welcome here and to, to enjoy being here. And I'll tell you, too, last thing, like, I think it takes so much courage to come and explore faith. Um, we're really, like, sincerely, we're so glad you're here. And even if that's you, like, like, the idea that your thoughts are moving in a direction or your life is moving in a direction of greatest thoughts, like, that's not, like, a biblical idea only. That's not a, like, that's just general. Like, you think about it, if, how many times are you in a situation where you just, mentally you give up and you think you can't and then you don't, right? Or, or sometimes some of us, we, we thought we could and we tried and we actually did it, right? Or, or in a relationship where you're like, man, I think I have a shot with them and then you shoot your shot and it worked out, right? Or on the flip side, you, you start to get suspicious and they're only out for themselves and they don't care about me and then pretty soon you're seeing every situation like, yeah, they only look out for themselves and they only, they only care about me. Right? Like you, your thoughts have profound impact over you and here's the, the, the thing, though, is that either uh, the thought that our life is moving in the direction of our thoughts, that's either really hopeful or really hopeless for us. See, it's hopeless because if I have no control over my thinking, if I just get carried away in my thoughts, if I just cannot even help it, if that happens, then my life is just going to happen to me. And, and you just kind of, I guess it's just, I mean, just, it's just all luck. But it also could be really hopeful. Because what if you could control your thinking? Like, what if you could change your life by changing your thoughts? See, now this is not solely a scriptural religious idea, but also is an idea we see in the scriptures. We see in Christianity of, of your thoughts impact your life. This guy, Paul, uh, he said this, and we're going to look at some of his writings, but this is the way he, he wrote to one gathering of believers. He said in Romans that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live 
in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. Again, he's saying your life is a certain way. You have the life you have because of the thoughts that you think. And even, again, for us, you, you think about it. You've maybe seen this in your life. It's always easier to see it in other people's lives, right? But, like, you think the thought that, like, more is better, and you spend so much of your life acquiring more, like get more square footage in your house, get a more expensive car, make more money, have more, and you just, even not even having more expensive stuff, but just stuff, and you're kind of a hoarder, and you see people, man, they just have all this stuff, like, they just think more is better, and their life is different because of that thought, or uh, so many of us, man, we think, man, like, if I was whatever size, if I looked a certain way, things would be better, it could be taller, it could be bigger, it could be smaller, like, your, your idea, your goal, size for yourself, like, that changes, and, and again, your life will show up and be different, and, and this is reality, for so many people, like, you reach that size, that goal, whatever it is, and nothing really changes, because it wasn't about the size of the appearance of your body, it was about your thinking, And this is where we, I really believe if we could begin to control our thinking, and we could begin to make a difference with what we think about, we really can make a difference with our life. And this is where we talk about the next uh, few minutes today and the next couple weeks, this idea that either we control our thinking or our thinking controls us. Like we control our thinking or our thinking controls us. And again, like you don't even have to agree with what I believe. You don't have to be part of our church. This is just, again, this is just a reality of life that either we control our thinking or our thinking will control us. And that's why scriptures talk about this. And that's why even our church, we talk about, we want to help people find life and freedom in Jesus. And one of the ways to do that is to gain some control around your thinking, around the thoughts that you have because that could be the key to you experiencing all kinds of life and freedom. So Paul, uh, again, he, he's writing to churches, he's writing to gatherings of believers, and this is what he said, and to give you kind of a, a preview of the text we're going to look at, he kind of starts with, this is how my life is different, this is how I can operate different because of my thinking. He kind of gets to that later, okay? So if we start reading, you're like, this makes no sense at all, just hang out with me and we'll get there. And this is what he says. He begins right into this, this group of believers in Corinth, which Paul was a real person. You can look up like historical figure. You can look up Corinth. Like you could go to Corinth right now. Um, you could see some of the, the structures that Paul walked around. Like, this isn't like hyperbole or make-believe. Like this is real people and real writings. And this is what he said to this gathering of believers. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Let me just say, if we could, like, focus on this one thing as followers of Jesus, it would make such a difference in our community. Like, though we live here, we don't fight like everybody else that lives here. We don't wage war like everybody else that lives here. Now, what is Paul talking about in context? So, uh, let me kind of give you a bigger view, because that always helps you understand what we're talking about, you have a bigger view of it. So Paul uh, met Jesus. It's a crazy story. He went from attacking the church and trying to destroy the church to then building churches and being all about the church, which is completely crazy. You've got to ask the question, what would make a total shift like that? Uh, and, and so Paul would go to cities, and he would begin teaching and proclaiming the message of Jesus, the message in the way of Jesus. And then people in those cities would respond to that and say, yes, we want to follow Jesus. And Paul said, okay, we have a gathering of believers. He's called out ones. We have an assembly. These are people like, who follow Jesus. So let's get together and figure out how we can follow Jesus better together and make a difference in our community. So he's teaching this. And then he would establish leaders in that, that church, right, the, the 
the gathering, and then Paul would be, okay, you guys are good. You got, you remember that thing that Jesus said, like, love other people the way you love yourself? Like, that's the number one thing. Love God by loving people. That, if you miss everything else, just do that thing, you'll be okay. I'm going to go to the next city and start another thing. And what would happen as Paul would leave is these other teachers would come in after Paul, and they would teach things about adding things to the message of Jesus. It's because the message of Jesus is, uh, it, real quick summary, you don't measure up to God's standard. Jesus met God's standard for you. You trust Jesus, you get to be with God in your restored relationship. Yeah. Only on Jesus. That's like the simplest version of the teaching of Jesus. But what happens is these other teachers would come in and they'd say, yeah, that's good, but you also have to embrace Jewish customs. You have to, like, sorry guys, you have to get circumcised. I'd be out right there. I bet the whole loving people thing, that sounds great. We're doing surgeries, I'm out. But they would go in and they'd teach all these things and they would uh, really, in, in really unhealthy ways, try to put all these teachings on these people. So Paul would write letters back to the churches reminding them of the message of Jesus. So when you, when you read a letter and, and all the letters in, in the New Testament, they're written to people, uh, either individual or groups of people. And Paul would write, most of them he wrote to address specific things. And in this context, he's writing because these new teachers that came in that are teaching false things, they're saying Paul is not actually who he says he is. If Paul was really a leader in the church, he would show it through being more dominant and he would be more bold and all these things, the way they thought that a leader should lead. Which honestly, if you look at the way they thought Paul should lead, you can see they really had no idea the teachings of Jesus. Because Jesus, uh, his teachings were constantly surrounded around topics like surrender and sacrifice and giving your life up because you and God are set now. You don't have to hold on to your life. You can lay it down for other people because you're restored to God. Even Jesus had a teacher where his followers were like, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus pulls his guys because he says, hey guys, listen to me. You guys see how everybody acts and how everybody else leads and they dominate over each other? You guys see that, right? And they're like, yeah, Jesus, it sucks. We see that. And Jesus tells us, hey guys, real clear, I want to be really clear. Look at me. It's not going to be like that with my movement. Like that's not how we're going to operate. Jesus is clear from the jump that it is not through dominance, it's through submission and surrender that people will be great in leading the movement of Jesus. So these teachers come in. They're teaching things that are completely contrary to what Jesus taught and what Paul taught. So Paul's writing and addressing that. But again, this is the issue is, like Paul says, we don't fight like everybody else does because we have a different focus. We have a focus of a risen Savior. Again, God and I are set, so I don't have to hold on to my life. But regrettably, like we haven't done a great job at that, have we? Like we, we fight kind of like everybody else does. And not even in like a macro sense of like everyone thinks of political things, all that. Like, no, like personally. Like, I try to get my way by doing things that I think are best, like manipulation and dominance and being angry, right? Like, those are things that I use. And Paul goes on, he says, we don't fight that way. And then he doubles down, he says, for though, then he goes on, he says that the weapons we fight with, like, we don't, we live here, we don't fight like we live here, but the weapons we have are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, weapons, we think about weapons like, like, like weapons, right? Because that's what the word, but this is not talking about like swords and daggers and spears and all those things. It, it really think of it more as like a tool. Really like a weapon, you, well, not like a weapon's just a tool. So Paul's saying in this context is, is 
we live here, we don't fight like we live here, but the weapons, the tools that we use to get what we want are not the same as everybody else because we have a different focus from everybody else. Again, I don't have to fight and hold on to things like people who are unsure or insecure or or just have a hard time figuring out life. Like I can use different and, and better tools. I don't need to use manipulation. I don't need to use deceit. I can be honest because I have a different focus because I'm thinking differently. And Paul goes on and says that the weapons that they have can demolish strongholds. Now, the stronghold in this context, again, is talking about like a, a castle, basically. Right? Like you think back in that time, like, like right now, like honestly, all of us, most of us have like secure housing, like our house is not gonna fall over, like we're good to go. Hurricane comes, most of us, we're good to go, right? In that time though, I didn't have hurricanes over there, but if, if enemies were coming, if things were happening, like I'm just chilling out in the field, I got like my hut, like this is not gonna be good for me. So I'm gonna run and go to the stronghold, go to the castle to get safety and stronghold to be anything that you rely on. Now, here's the thing. We talk a lot about, like, in, in church culture or context, we talk so much about, like, the strongholds of, like, out there. Like, we, we have the weapons to destroy their strongholds. And it's usually, again, like, sadly, it's tied to, like, some political agenda or some social thing or whatever. Like, we're going to attack that stronghold. But, I, like, for me, I think it's, it's more impactful for me making a difference in my community is if I'm focused on taking care of the strongholds in here. Like, if I'm looking and wondering and asking myself, what am I relying on? Like, what am I relying on for safety or for security or for significance? Because here's what happens. When I rely on myself, like my own strengths, my own abilities, my income, my ability to earn money, my whatever, like when I rely on those things for strength and stability and significance, if you attack any of those things, you're attacking me. And my only option is to go on the offensive and attack you. Because I'm thinking the same way as everybody else. So I'm going to use the same tools, the same weapons as everybody else. But we don't have to. See, as followers of Jesus, which is what I'd say, follower of Jesus, this is kind of like a have to. If you don't follow Jesus, this is like a want to. Like you never agreed to follow Jesus, you get a total pass. On basically, I mean, honestly, like everything we talk about. I have no authority over you to say how you should live. I would never tell you how to live, but this is what I tell you. I really think Jesus, uh, he had some really good ideas on life, and I really believe you follow Jesus, like, it will make your life better. It will make you better at life. Like, I've seen it in my, own, my, my life. Like, my marriage is better because I try to act like Jesus. Not all the time. I'm not perfect. But enough of the time where Rachel tolerates me. <laughs> and, and for us, can I, just, can I just be honest with you? I think... For some of us, even when we're followers of Jesus, we go, things aren't working. We're like, God, just be real. It might be because you're not following. You may decide and said yeah, yes to Jesus, but like, you haven't actually like, put it together in your daily life how it impacts relationships around you. Again, it starts with our thinking. Either we control our thinking or our thinking will control us. And some of the strongholds we even have in life, I think, are, are unhealthy thought patterns or habits we're safe places for us. Again, safe places like where it's comfortable, where I know everybody and everybody knows me. We all think the same. We all believe the same. We all even look the same. I don't think that's what the church should look like. Amen. I don't think that's what we should be categorizing our lives by. Really, my life should be about going out to other people because God and I are set. Amen. 
Not because I'm so great, because he's so great. So I can go out and live differently. I can think differently. And, and Paul says all these things, that we can wage war differently, and we have different weapons. Our weapons are powerful. They could demolish you strongholds. And he gets to kind of why. Like, why can he do all these things? He says, he says it this way, that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And he talks about demolishing things, and, and this is something we have to remember, is we need to demolish the right things. He talks about demolishing arguments and pretensions, like not people. I think this, this is, like, again, like I think for, for so many of us, we have a hard time like delineating between someone's idea and someone. And we begin attacking the person and trying to destroy the person, and we're not talking about their idea anymore. We're just going after them because it's a personal thing. And that's where we, we have to be able to have different ideas. Again, I think like people who don't follow Jesus, people in our communities, people who do follow Jesus, like they should totally question like what, what we do on the weekend. Like why do you give up your Sunday? They should question how we handle our finances. Like why are you so generous? They should question all kinds of things, but they should never question if we love them and value them. And, and this is even the idea of like arguments and pretension. Pretension is something that is like elevated. Like, it's something that's lifted up. And, and this is why I say, like, we all have values. Or, like, values are good. Like, you should have values. But if I elevate my values to an unhealthy place, it can be dangerous. Like, like, to put it this way, like, if my values cause me to devalue other people, they are not the values of Jesus. Like, if my value means that you're not welcome. If my value means that I'm okay with your kids being, I always get like curious, like how far can I push this? But this, this, is, this is the reality. Like, like if my comfort and my value for my personal space puts other kids in cages, it's not the value of Jesus. Now there are... There are so many incredibly complex issues that we face, that we differ on our values. But the number one thing above everything else is that we value people. And we should be known for that. And we should be able to value politics and policies, but value people more. And this is every side of the aisle, any way you slice it. Like, people should, again, people are, I'm fine with people questioning why I vote the way I do or the values I have. Or the, I'm fine with that, but I should never be in a place where people question if I value other people. And can I say, over the last couple decades, right, it's easy to look at the last two or three years and think, like, everything just hit the fan in 2020. Like, let's just be honest. Like, it, it expedited a lot of processes. There was stuff there under the surface that a lot of us didn't know about or were ignorant of by our own choosing. But the last several decades, like, we as followers of Jesus have valued some things that Jesus doesn't value. And the thing about values is they will be exposed at some point. And over the last couple of years, I think that our values we've held for a couple of decades got exposed. And when we as a church, like Center Point Church, also the, the church, the, the, we'd call it like the, the global church, we 
had such an opportunity to step up and say, hey, we value people over everything else. I don't know if that's the message that we told everybody. I know for sure there's a bunch of us, a bunch of people I know, even me to a degree, that show people I value myself and my own security, my own safety. And can I say, like, everyone's relationship with God is personal and individual to that person, but their relationships with other people around them impact their relationship with God. I say, I think that there are people who turned away from God because they saw how the people of God were acting. And where we claim to have an inheritance with God, we claim, like, it's not just about today, it's about tomorrow, and then we lived like today was all that mattered. And people would leave going, you don't even believe what you say you believe. Like, you talk about being generous, you talk about loving people, and you're, like, you're literally just trying to, like, consume everything you have. And, and this is where, as a church, our, our values got exposed, and this is where we, as a church, even here, like, personally, like, our gathering, like, we get to go out and reimagine church for so many people. And we get to be generous, and we get to value people, and we get to connect with them and show them love. And that's why, i just tell you, side note, like, that's why I love inviting people to our church. Because I know it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter who you come in with, doesn't matter what your story is, like you'll be loved and welcomed and accepted here. Amen. And we don't have to believe all the same things, we don't have to agree on all the same things, but we will all agree on one thing that people value most. Because we think about people differently. Because you control your thinking or your thinking will control you. You can choose what you think about people. So Paul in this passage, he, he sets the bar crazy high, right? He says, take how many thoughts captive? He says, take every thought captive. Take every thought. And then like for half of us in the room, we're like, okay, I'm going to do that. Right? You're like, I'm going to get a journal. I'm going to write down all my thoughts. Even right now, you've already started like three minutes ago taking all the thoughts down. You're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to control every thought. The other half of people in the room are like, that's completely ridiculous. Like I have thousands of thoughts a day. Like I can't take every thought captive, right? The funny thing is those people are always like married to each other. One of you is like, we're taking all the thoughts captive. The other one is like, get out of here. Right? But, but he, here's the reality. Here's the reality. Like, every thought captive, I'm not trying to go against Paul. I'm not throwing out the scriptures. I'm not doing anything. But, like, I think every thought is kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. Okay, because, like, because, like, you have so many, you have literally thousands of thoughts every single day. How are you going to track every thought? This is what I said. What if we could track a few thoughts? Like, because like, not every thought is created equal. Like, different thoughts have more impact on your life than, than others, right? So what if we could figure out, like, there's a few thoughts that I could think that would really change my life. Like, what if, what if there was just a few, like, keystone thoughts, like the big thoughts, if I could just kind of focus on that, or if I could get that on lockdown, like, it's going to change so much, right? So I'm reading, I'm learning about this. I'm like, okay, this makes sense. I was reading this book called uh, Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen. She's, like, an author and conference speaker and a teacher. She's great. And, and she said, There's the, the, here's the thought we want to start with. And I was like, that's the thought. Like, that's it right there. Like, that's the thought. If we, if we could have just one thought that could change. I mean, legitimately, I'm not trying to oversell this. Like, I think this one thought could change your life. You want to know what it is? Come back next week. <laughs> no. Nah. Here's the thought. Half of you, well, no, probably 10 of you were like, well, I have the app. I got the notes on the app, so I already know what it is, dummy. <laughs> Which if you don't have our app, you totally got to get the app because you can jump ahead and see how much longer we have. 
There's a bunch of other great stuff there too. But here is the thought. If you could have just one thought that I really think could change your life, it's this. I have a choice. I have a choice. Let's all say it together. Everybody ready? I have a choice. Now, you can't choose your situation. Like, there's a lot of things in life you, you can't choose, right? You can't choose who your kids are. I mean, like, once you have them, you can't just get rid of them. You may not be able to change your work situation. You might not be able to change your income situation. You, may, you might not be able to change so much of your life, but you have a choice on how you respond, how you think about it. Like, and this is what I, I love and I hate this, right? Because I love it because, like, well, yeah, I have a choice. Like, this is, this is powerful. This really gives me, I don't feel so hopeless. But also, this is, I really don't like it because it, it means that I'm responsible for my thoughts. Like, I have, a, I have a choice, right? And we don't like responsibility, do we? That's why even this week, I'm like, I'm trying to practice this, right? I'm like, 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 like what every other parent does. You get your kids to bed, you put on TV, you pour yourself a bowl of chips, right? I'm like watching this bowl of chips fill up more. I'm thinking to myself, I have a choice. I'm like, nah, I don't, like, I just can't help it. I thought about this, right? But here's the reality. In that moment, I don't want to be responsible for my actions. I just want to be able to say, well, I just, I just, I can't help it. I just, I was brought up this way, or this is how they operated, or this is, this is what I've always seen, this is what I always know, or this is just who I am, like, whatever it is. There's a lot of things you don't have a choice over. There's a lot of things you, you can't change, but the one thing you, you do have a choice over is how you're going to think about it. And this is where you go from being captive to your thoughts to begin taking your thoughts captive. But, but here's the reality. It's, it's not a decision. Or it's not just a decision, I should say. See, taking, your thought cap, taking your thoughts captive is a discipline as well. You have to train your thinking. You have to think about things differently. And when you're confronted with something that happens, when you're confronted with a situation, you have to discipline yourself to choose the right thing. First, you have to discipline yourself to acknowledge you have a choice. I'll tell you how this looks in my life. This is at work, at home. I mean, basically anywhere I go, I'll be confronted with a situation. And you know how like, they always talk in like, psychology, like there's fight or flight? Like, like, I'm like, fight 100%. I, like, if you're like, have you fought with me in your head? Yes, right? I don't even know you, but I probably have thought, like, would I beat them? Could I beat them? I think I could beat them. I don't know, maybe. But I want to fight everything all the time. And this is what will happen is I'll have a situation. Like, it'll be like a work meeting, and we're talking about a thing, and it's like, it's my idea. My ideas are always the best ideas, and I have a lot of significance and security tied to my ideas because they're my ideas. And we start to attack that idea because we have a healthy workplace, so we're going to wrestle it to the ground and get the best idea out. And I have to like, like consciously remind myself, like, this, this person loves me. This person cares about me. Right? And this is how you have the discipline. When you have a thought, you have to put the thought on trial. That sounds a little weird, but you have to build evidence to see if that thought is legitimate or not. And the thing is that you'll see, uh, I should say I have seen, there's a lot of unhealthy thoughts I have that have no evidence to back them up. So I'll be in like the work meeting or, you know, put yourself in a situation. They show up late again, whatever. And you're like, man, they don't care about me. They don't think I'm important. They disrespect me. All these things. And you're like, like I mean, we could raise our hands. It would be kind of embarrassing. But it would be most of us. Like, yeah, I've been there. 
I see all these negative thoughts. I kind of spiral out of control. Or like, okay, it's Monday. Monday is horrible because we think Monday is horrible. Like, not just because it's Monday. Like, we, we've, we've all bought into this thing. Like, Mondays just suck. Like, well, what if you change your thinking about Monday? You made Monday the best day of your week. You build all this evidence, and this is what happens. Is you get to the point where you build the evidence, and you go, you know what? Like, I've done this literally in my mind. I'm like, the evidence is, like, overwhelming that this person cares about me, respects me, and loves me. Why am I thinking this thing over here? And in that moment, I have a choice of what I'm going to focus on. And, and this is why it matters. We talked about this as we began, is that your thoughts are leading to somewhere. Paul, Paul said it this way. We, we looked at this passage earlier. He said, For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Again, your life is a display of the thoughts you have. And this is why we have to get our thinking under control, why we need to choose to control our thinking rather than allowing our thinking to control us. Paul says in the next verse, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. When Paul's talking about the flesh here, what what he's talking about, and you see that a lot in his writings, a lot in scripture, what he's talking about is what, what I would say is like unbridled natural desire. Okay, not every desire you have is bad, right? The, the desire for food is not a bad desire. When it is unbridled and I do whatever I want with that desire, it gets really dangerous. And, and so many of us, again, it's easier to see in other people than it is to see in yourself, but if you could just try to hold a mirror up to yourself and think, think of the times where you have tried to get what you wanted at all costs. Probably did not work out real well for you. Like you maybe got the thing in the moment that you really wanted, but you lost so many other things. Again, for some of us, we've been in relationships where they just wanted what they wanted. It didn't really matter what else. And their values were exposed and they showed that they didn't value us. You see, it's just, the flesh is just this selfishness where it's just, un- like, I just can't control it. And, and for some of us, man, we've, we've been there. Yeah. We've been there where we say, man, I don't have any, like, I've been there. And, and, and even Paul, this guy who, he wrote the Bible, he, he said, the things that I don't want to do, I keep doing. The things that I want to do, I don't do. Like, my flesh, my desires wage a war inside of me. But here's the reality. If you are a follower of Jesus and you're stepping into his power, you don't have to fight like everybody else fights. You don't have to use the same tools and the same weapons to get your way. Because Jesus came and taught there's a better way. And for so many of us, you think about your life, and you think about times that you have tried to get yours, right? You wanted what you wanted, how you wanted, and, and so many, it's, I mean, if I asked you to raise your hand, you'd, so many would raise their hand saying, like, yeah, I have some regrets, right? Like a bunch of us, I got some regrets. Oh, man, I could tell you the story, I could tell you the thing. Or we'd say, like, oh, I had some mistakes. But here's the deal. Some of us, our regrets, our mistakes were premeditated. Which doesn't really make it a mistake, See, a mistake is I didn't know any better, so I did that, right? I turned down the wrong road because I didn't know that wasn't the right road. I grabbed the wrong thing. I didn't know, right? That's a mistake. When it's premeditated, that's, that's not a mistake, right? That means that you knew better and you decided to do it anyways. 
Like, I knew better. I decided to do it anyway. And this is the area for us where, again, like, we don't like talking about this because we don't want responsibility. We don't want to feel bad. I get it. I'm right there with you. But, like, when I make decisions, when I choose things, when I think things, knowing better and still doing it, it's not a mistake. It, it's sin. Yeah. And, again, we don't, we don't like that word. I get it. I don't like it. I, oh, man. But this is reality. Like, like this isn't, like, me judging you. This is you judging you. You know. There's something in your heart, in your mind, you're like, yeah, I did that, and, and, and that's where I'm at. And, and this is what the, the, scriptures, the scriptures say, is like, you're, you're dead in that. Like, you don't have power in yourself that is good enough, that is strong enough, that is, is powerful enough to raise you from dead to life. You need someone to come and breathe life into you. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus came and he lived the perfect life because, because of us, like we fall short. We do not meet the mark. The mark is perfection and we all fall short. God's mark is perfection, not because he's mean, but because he's perfect. I have to have perfection around me and I'm so loving. God is so loving that he sent a way for us to be back with him. He didn't send us teachings to try to earn it and deserve it and get there. He sent a way that was Jesus. And Jesus came and lived the life that was perfect. And he died in our place because we fell short. There was a penalty. There was something required to restore us to God. And Jesus came and said, I will restore all of humanity to God. Because I value people over everything. And can I say, for, for some of us, we're, we're talking about our thinking, we're talking about how we view things. I say, I got, like, have, you, have you ever thought of yourself in that way? Like, if that you need rescuing? So I can tell you, like, for me, honestly, that's hard to admit because I, I try to be pretty good at just about everything under the world. And I try to measure up in everything possible. I just want to be the best all the time. And, like, I have to stop and acknowledge, like, I, I can't do it. Like, there's things in my life. Like, we get sat down, we talk about coffee. I tell you story after story after story. Things in my life, I'm like, I wanted so badly to just be able to do it on my own, and I couldn't because I don't have the power. And that's why I have Jesus. And Jesus extends his power, extends his life to us as a free gift. Because if you could earn it or deserve it, that's not a gift anymore. So Jesus is, is looking at us and he's saying, do you realize you need me and do you realize who I am that I can meet your need? Not just a good teacher, not just a motivational historical figure, but Jesus is God, the giver, the giver of life. And I think for some of us, like, we're viewing Jesus differently even in this moment of, of understanding your need and, and him being able to meet that need. I want to give you a chance to kind of think about this, to respond to this. So I'm going to ask everybody, just out of respect for people around you, would you just bow your heads? I promise I'm not going to do anything weird. Uh, I'm not going to make anyone uncomfortable. Like, like really, it's, and you may not even need some privacy, but some people around you may need some privacy. So thanks for just being respectful to them. How many of us would, would even say, like, Justin, as you're talking about your thinking and controlling your thinking, like, like, I struggle to control my thoughts. Like, not even, like, big, ugly thoughts, just thoughts in general. You just put your hand up. You can put your hand up. I see over here on the side, up in the front. I see in the back. You can put your hand up. You can put it right back down. Man, so many of us, man, think, like, we're being honest about it. We struggle to control our thinking. And I want to ask you, and this could be the same person, this could be someone different. I want to ask you, like, Will you choose to acknowledge you have a choice in your thinking? 
You say, you raise your hands and I'm gonna acknowledge I have a choice in my thinking. Like, yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna begin to choose differently. Awesome. Seeing people, you know, you put your hand up, you can put it up and right back down. You know, just acknowledge that I, I'm gonna choose, I'm gonna acknowledge I have a choice. And, and then and this is a little more personal. I know again this gets difficult for some people and I, I totally get it, but we talked about sin, like sin at its core is wronging other people. It's doing wrong by others. It's hurting people. How many of us would just say, man, even, this may be the first time, but I'm just going to acknowledge, like, I've wronged people. You just put your hand up. I've done stuff. Awesome. So many people. You just, you're, again, we're being honest. We're be, having some safety. We're having some privacy around here, but you know, we're just being honest that we've hurt people. So many of us. And the last question I want to ask is, you're talking about Jesus' death and resurrection restoring you to God. How many of you would say, like, today, like, the first time, today for the first time, I want to trust Jesus. And this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to help you with this prayer because prayer can be new for people and there's no special words. There's nothing magical. There's not like a secret code or anything like that, but it's really just to help you formulate a thought to talk to God. You could use this. You could say your own thing, but in your, in your mind right now, if you want to say yes to Jesus, would you say something like this in your mind, in your heart, like, God, I know I've wronged you and I don't measure up. My trust in Jesus' is death and resurrection that he restores me to you. Thank you for the power of new life. Again, I'm going to repeat that again. Again, there's no special words or anything, but just a way to acknowledge to God, say this in your heart, in your mind, that God, I know I've wronged you and I don't measure up. I trust in Jesus' death and resurrection to restore me. Thank you for the power of new life. Now, if that's you today and you are saying yes to Jesus for the first time, we have a card for you. We'd love to just give you a card and follow. Would you just raise your hand? We can put a card in your hand. If you're not comfortable with it, we get it. We also want to celebrate with you, just give you a chance where we can follow up and help you as you're walking this new life. Everybody, would you, would you stand to your feet together? I want to pray for us. Pray that we can walk in the life that God has for us, but also pray that we can begin to think differently and live differently. Let's pray all over the house. God, thank you for what you're doing in our gathering. God, thank you for giving us the ability and power to control our thoughts. I pray that we would uh, be people uh, who are known for loving the people around us. And God, that we would God, walk, walk in the newness of life that you give us. Thank you for your power. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.